And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of The Drop Set. I'm your host, Darren Starr here. Thank you for joining me. It is Friday, January 31st, the final day of January 2020. I'm starting recording this at 7.23 a.m. in the morning, Eastern Standard Time here in lovely, beautiful, wonderful Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, More appropriately, Concord slash Farragut. Um, Not in the city limits proper. I don't have to pay city taxes here, which is great. Just county. So there you go. More than you ever wanted to know about me. Uh, we got some stuff to talk about today, which is great. I got some, uh, some great, uh, voicemails from people always appreciative. Once again, the number for that, if anybody wants to call in, that is a big portion of the show and what I do here. I love having you guys kind of drive the conversation topics so you can call in, leave a voicemail and ramble on about whatever you like. And if it's worthwhile, I will play it here. And uh, kind of like a, a tape-delayed call-in show, basically, is kind of how it, how it works here. In the world of podcasting, if you're not doing it live, that's the best thing I can do. Best thing I can do. The call-in number, 865-518-2974. Can't remember that number? Hey, go to thedropset.com. You can remember that, right? That's pretty easy. Thedropset.com. Um, on that page, that is just a single-page website, um, and it's got the... Uh, the number posted there, there's an episode archive buried in there as well. It's a single page, talks about everything you need to know. It's actually a page on my main website, which is fivestarphysique.com. Um, there's a page for the drop set, but you can get there by going to thedropset.com as a shortcut. So there you go. That's me. Um, what do I do? I am a uh, contest prep coach. I feel like I should start introducing that because I feel like at any given time, there are people that are listening to this episode and it's the first one they've ever heard. So... Um, I have heard people who will say, hey, I just found your podcast. I'm up to episode 10. I'm like, I'm on like 160 right now. You really went all the way back to the beginning. Holy crap. Uh, You're going to make it to like 30 before you give up, if that. So kudos to you. (laughs) You, You're the real unsung heroes here. Anyway, so yeah, a little introduction. Keep it very brief. I am a contest prep coach. This is what I do full time. This podcast has no sponsors, no financing behind it or anything like that. It's all me, um, untethered to responsibilities of keeping other companies happy, other sponsors happy. I don't care. Um, so it gives me freedom and flexibility to talk about whatever the hell I want and share opinions, uh, <laughs> popular or unpopular. Uh, and that's uh, I've come to the determination also that that is always how it's going to be. There will never be a sponsor for this show. Um, I don't need one. Um, I like not having one. It gives me the the flexibility, like I said, to do whatever I want. So um, I, I do this because it's fun um, and because I get good feedback from people and they enjoy listening to it. And it keeps me wanting to do it. So um, that's pretty much it. That is it. I have things that I like to talk about. And every now and then I have a segment that is worth repeating and I refer clients back to it as well. Somebody else will be like, hey, what's your stance on alcohol? And I'll link back to episode whatever it was, 140 or something where I went on about it for 20 minutes. I'm like, there's everything you want to know <laughs> right there. So it's also, you know, it's a way to try and be a little bit more efficient. But at the same time, you know, when that comes up, I often spend more time looking for the relevant episode than I would spend if I just, you know, hashed it out with them again. So, eh, I don't know. I could probably use a little bit more organizational uh, prowess on that. So, uh, so yeah, uh, coaching is what I do, whether it's for con- competition prep, whether it's for what I call just body transformation, which is basically, you know, same thing, ambitious goals, just one that doesn't end in a contest. It ends in something else, or maybe it doesn't end. Maybe like me, who is retired from competing at this point, 
probably never say never. Right. Um, I, I continue to do the work, put in the work day in, day out for a couple reasons. One, I kind of enjoy it. Two, it gives me more credibility with what I do. If I was just a fat coach over here telling people what to do and not doing it myself, what I've noticed is, uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of wears thin with a lot of people. Um, and also, I feel better about what I do coaching-wise when I'm on it with a plan. Um, it feels more genuine when I'm telling people to get their shit together. Like, I got mine together. You know, I, I don't have a, a show scaring me into compliance that's 10 weeks out. I'm doing this because I want to. The caveat there that's kind of unspoken, actually, I, I will usually cop to it as well. Like, okay, yeah, it is my job as well, so there's that. But at the same time, if it wasn't, I would still be doing this because I enjoy the process. And if I didn't, I would stop. And I'd just be like, you know what? I'm still coaching, but I'm retired from actually doing the thing myself. Um, I'm I'm resting on my laurels at this point, and uh, I'm just going to say do as I uh, say, not as I do. But, yeah, we're we're not there. We're not there. So. Um, the one thing that I always think about in terms of that is like, how is my body holding up? And thankfully I've, I've been doing a better job of taking care of it lately. So things just feel really productive with one little issue here. So if anybody is eating, now would be a good time to stop. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. Um, well, I don't know. Some people get grossed out about weird things. Uh, so you never know. I don't want to say, oh, it's fine, because somebody will say, like, that was the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. I'm like, well, clearly you've been very sheltered if that's the case, and kudos to you. So I got this issue with my toe. Toes, actually. Both of my big toes. Um, and basically the, the sensation is, so I'm not looking for unsolicited medical advice. I'm just, I'm just sharing. It's, it's, <laughs> thankfully, it's, it's sharing time. It's not show and tell, because nobody wants to see this. Actually, I have... I have, I have pretty nice looking feet, I gotta say, if I do say so myself. Like, they're not deformed or anything weird like that. Um, the one thing that you might be able to make as a criticism is um, it, my wife has said I have hand feet because I can like grab things with my toes and spread them apart really far. And she's like, that freaks me out. That is weird. Put some socks on or stop doing that. Uh, so, I get the, anyway, man, this really went off the rails fast. It only took us six minutes to, to get into this. Hey, whatever. Anyway. This issue with my toes. Basically, it's like this. You know how you'll, you walk around, you'll just like inadvertently kick something really lightly, and it's like, oh, oops, you know, like, like stubbing a toe, but not that bad. Like you just gently brush it up against something, uh, like you're walking past, or whatever. You, you walk up to a table, and you accidentally like kick one of the table legs. Oops, you know, it's not hard or anything like that. Well, I've, and both of my big toes right now, if I do anything like that, it burns like fire for like 90 seconds and doesn't relent. Um, and I tell you what, you never realize how many times per day you do stupid shit like that until it feels like a burning inferno every time it happens. Um, so it, it sucks. And so what I'm thinking is like, man, this has got to be like an ingrown nail or something, but it's like on the, on the side of the toe. Um, and to, to look at it, I mean, it looks a little red, it looks a little inflamed, but it's, it's not bad or anything like that. It doesn't look like, you know, I have, I have this issue where if there's something medically wrong with me, I can't go search online. I have to tell my wife and have her look because the thing about the internet and the one thing about the internet that pisses me off more than anything else, more so than all of the trolls and all the nasty vitriol that gets spread there, is the fact that when you try to Google a medical issue, you are immediately flooded with images of the worst case scenario of said issue. Like, for, for God, God forbid, if you think like, oh, man, what am I supposed to do about this abscess on my skin? You type in abscess treatment, 
and and good lord, I mean, you're going to see you're going to be flooded with images that look like they're out of a horror movie. It's like the worst case scenario. Like, oh, okay, this is a human being that doesn't have a head anymore. It's just a giant abscess at the top of his neck. Okay, well, that's disgusting. And so I I hate that. So I can't I can't Google anything about anything that's wrong with me. Like I can't. I can't Google like, you know, ingrown toenail because then you're going to see some monstrosity deformed elephant toe that is just going to make me lose my lunch. So I, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm kind of ignorant. Thankfully, my doctor has this thing where I can just like log in and send him a message. I don't have to go see him like, hey, what do you think? Here's a picture. Blah. Uh, so I, I was thinking like, God, it's got to be an ingrown toe because it's like you push on the skin from the from the side in towards where the toe is. And that's where it hurts. It's like, God, is there some kind of, is there a piece of the nail that's like growing into the skin and that's what's causing it? I don't know. Anyway. So he's like, yeah, usually if it's an ingrown toenail, it's going to be out the front, not out the side like that. He's like, it might actually be an infection. So let's just run an antibiotic there. So I'm like, all right, cool. So, which reminds me to take one of those. Uh, I'm on like day three of it right now. So far, no change, but you know, we'll see. Um, more information than anybody wanted to know about Darren's possibly infected big toes, right? Weird. It's also weird that it's on both of them. And he also said, eh, might be gout. Who knows? I'm like, God. No. No, that is something that old people get. I, I cannot have that. I will not allow it. I'm not okay with it. I refuse your diagnosis. And uh, you will come up with a better answer than that. Period. End of discussion. Okay. I'll pay my copay now. Uh, so I'm I'm a little uh, a little put off by that. I'm hoping that this uh, I'm hoping it is in fact an infection. The antibiotic takes care of it, and case closed. End of discussion. But I tell you what, I'm walking around the gym and I'm like walking on eggshells. Like every time I take a foot and put one foot in front of the other, I'm watching closely where that foot lands to make sure I don't kick anything. And like yesterday, what was I doing? Uh, or two days ago, something I was doing a. Uh, it was when I was doing shoulders. Yeah, I was doing a, neutral, a seated neutral grip dumbbell press, and the uh, the seat I was in it was one of those um, one of those things. It's actually a seat, not a bench, but a seat with a little upright back on it, a little short stubby upright back, and it has that place where you can rest your feet while you're on the set. So it like comes out in front of you, and there's the little little rods or the little bars where you, they're just foot rests, and so. I had my feet out uh, underneath those and then I'd kick the dumbbells up and then I placed my foot on it um, for the set. Um, and in the act of placing my foot on it, I accidentally kicked the underside of it. Like I didn't bring my foot far enough back to clear it. So I accidentally kicked the underside of it. So as I'm getting these dumbbells into position, I kick it and I like scream out in agony because my toe. And then I'm like, from rep one on the set because I'm stubborn and I didn't just stop right there and say, no, let me wait and try again, but I'm just carrying on. And so it looks like, you know, to, to anybody who's looking, I'm like, man, that guy must be like trying to set a world record on that dumbbell press. I mean, look at how hard he's working. Look at how hard he's gr- He's, he's cussing up a storm. Meanwhile, it was like my first warm up set. It wasn't even like, it was like 40 pound dumbbells. Um, but <laughs> I was, I was absolutely cussing up a storm. Um, just cause my toe hurt so damn bad. So there you go. Welcome to my life, such as it is. And now I, I know what's going to happen here. Somebody's going to send me an email and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, here's what's up with your toe, and you're going to need to have that amputated. Um, you know, that, that's my fear, anyway. Is that a rational fear? I don't know. I like to think it is. I like to think it's pretty rational. Uh, always, uh, always imagine the worst-case scenario, right? <laughs> so, oh, there we go. It, it has been a really good week of training. Um, I had some some breakthroughs i i might say actually um and so i emailed my coach about some stuff uh yesterday regarding an arm day that i had on i guess it would have been wednesday at this point 
Wednesday? Was it? Yeah, 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 Wednesday. So um, what I noticed, and, and I, I've known this, but I was finally able to like really zero in on it and figure out what the hell is going on here. I had uh, two exercises back-to-back in that workout. They were a, a high-incline supinating dumbbell curl. So like on an incline bench, reclining back, so your shoulder's going to be a little flexed. Um, and then also a spider curl, so your shoulder's going to be a little extended. And what I noticed is that I have poor elbow flexion. Now, I would like to say it's just because, you know what, my biceps are so damn big, I just can't flex my elbow all the way. Yeah, I, I wish that were the case. That's not the case. Um, it's just, it, it, it's poor elbow mobility. And, you know, it's not like my elbows are stiff or anything like that. It's just, you know, some people have less uh, mobility in certain joints, and my elbows suffer for some reason. Like, they just don't flex a whole lot like the the thought of being able to flex your elbow to the point where you can touch your shoulder with your hand it's like that that's a, a complete non-starter for me and if my shoulder is in a flexed or extended position meaning like you know back like on an incline curl or out in front like on a spider curl that flexion gets reduced further still and what that does is that prevents me from really getting a quality squeeze because I can't fully shorten the bicep all the way because um, you know, you always want to take a muscle from its longest position when it's fully stretched, that would be a totally straight elbow, to its shortest position possible more often than not. There are exceptions to that, but that should be your general rule. Um, take a muscle through its full range of motion from stretched position to shortest position, longest position to shortest position, fully stretched to fully flexed. Um, that should be your default, um, is always aiming for that. And so, I struggled on both movements. I couldn't get the the bicep into a fully shortened position because of how my shoulder was positioned. I just couldn't do it, and so I felt like kind of a breakthrough. Like it, it was a, it was kind of a lousy workout because of that. But I feel like you know what? If I can have a lousy arm workout and finally get some clarification on what the limitation is here a little bit, and then either find a way to overcome it. And this is what I, I emailed my coach about. I'm like, so what do you do? I mean, part part of it is just I'm I'm very weak when the the shoulder is in that flexed or extended position. And so, like, if I was going to do a spider curl, I think I did it with 25s or something like that. Um, if I wanted to get better elbow flexion, I might have to drop down to, like, 12 and a half or 15-pound dumbbells. Uh, and so the question is, you know, is it worth it to do that, or do we just swap it out for something else? So um, I'm awaiting some feedback on that. But uh, I, f- I feel like still, nonetheless, it's really productive um, to, to be able to come up with things like that and find, like, Hey, you know, for my body specifically, this really does or doesn't work. Um, And then you can make a determination as far as whether or not that's something worth troubleshooting or if it's like, hey, you know what, let's just leave well enough alone. And certain things, you know, like if you have um, really short arms compared to your legs and you're struggling with a Jefferson squat, well, guess what? There's nothing we can do to fix that. It's just how you're built, and it just means the movement is a poor one for you. So, um, But if it has to do with execution, like, oh, no, you just suck at it. Well, let's get better at it because in figuring out how to get better at this one exercise, that, first of all, um, it's probably going to fill some kind of developmental gap um, because there are probably other movements that you suffer with that maybe aren't quite as obvious that have a similar limitation. And if we can get a breakthrough on one, that breakthrough is likely going to apply to others as well. And again, lifting is all about skill development. That That's really what it is at its heart. I know I talk a lot on here about progressive overload, quality of execution, blah, blah, blah. It really, it's skill development. Every exercise is a skill. And if you're not actively trying to increase your skill 
on each movement, um, you don't have the right approach. That should be what we're trying to do. So another thing that I'd like you to think about there um, is going back to that concept about uh, a muscle at its shortest versus its longest. And this would be a good exercise, pun intended, mental exercise. Um, just pe peg some muscles in your body. Just, you know, think about it like, okay, tricep. When is the tricep at its shortest? When is it at its longest? Quadricep. When is the quadricep at its shortest? When is it at its longest? Okay. Shortest, you can also think of as most flexed. So basically, you know, when, when you're squeezing it super hard, that's when a muscle's at its shortest. When it's being stretched, that's when, it at, when it's at its longest. So let's think about this here. Um, tricep, when is it at its shortest? Well, when your elbow is fully extended. A tricep is an elbow extender. So that means, you know, arm is fully straight. And like what you'd be looking to do at that point is, uh, use the tricep to almost try and hyperextend the elbow because if you could hyperextend the elbow, the tricep would get shorter still. Now, you're not going to do that. You know, your elbow might extend, you know, if 180 degrees is fully flexed, maybe you can get 182, 183 degrees out of that, something like that. That's fine. When your elbow is all the way opened up, fully extended, that's when the tricep's at the shortest. Now, when is it at its longest? Well, it's when it's being stretched. So when your elbow is fully flexed. So the bicep and the tricep are antagonistic muscle groups. So when the bicep is at its shortest, right? That's when the tricep is at its longest. So when you are at the top of a bicep curl and the elbow is maximally flexed, it is bent as much as you can bend it, that's when um, the tricep is at its longest. And it just occurs to me, you know, entirely possible here that tight triceps are limiting my my bicep flexion and my elbow flexion that's certainly a possibility too i hadn't thought of that so <clears throat> hey thanks thanks guys i appreciate you you're you're giving me the opportunity here to kind of work through some shit i appreciate that so um it, it, entirely possible so um, it's just another thing worth considering. You know, when is a muscle at its longest? When is it at its shortest? For quadriceps, um, if we think of a leg extension here, well, when that thing is fully up, that's when your quadricep is at the at the shortest. So when you're at the the peak of each rep, and then when you take it all the way down, and really on a typical leg extension, you're not gonna get uh, you're not gonna get a good stretch in the quads. Just depends on how the machine is set up and how much excuse me how much range of motion um, the machine allows for. But um, think of it this way, if you are on the ground, you're sitting on the ground with your feet tucked back behind you, your knees out in front of you, and you kind of lean back a little bit and then push your hips up, that's really stretching the quads. That's really when they're at their longest. So you want to you develop a position like that um, on your leg extension reps as much as the machine will allow. Like really allow it to fully stretch and then really allow it to fully flex. And, you know, okay, I'm guilty of this as well, but a lot of people, they'll get aggressive enough with weight that they don't achieve full knee extension, um, a full straightening of the knee, which allows the quadricep to get to its shortest position. You go heavy enough, and then instead of getting that full 180-degree flexion, you get like 165, 170 degrees, something like that. So you're, you're cutting down your range of motion at the expense of weight, which is something we should always look to avoid. And sometimes, you know, I get in the mode where it's like, eh, whatever, form gets a little sloppy, and you lose that that last little bit of range of motion we should always look to avoid that though so so there you go that's uh that's that so um all right now we've got some other business to talk about this is really important i'm gonna try and keep this relatively brief because i could probably talk for the next hour about this our puppy oh my god 
oh my god. So uh, I've been posting stuff um, to my Instagram story all week. I, uh, early on, I was doing a good job of saving that stuff into a story highlight. So if you go to my profile on Instagram at Darren underscore star, D-A-R-I-N underscore S-T-A-R-R, go to the profile there, look at the story highlights. There's one section called New Arrival um, that has a whole bunch of puppy videos and pictures from when she first got here. Um, I mean, good Lord, I can't even tell you about this dog. She's crazy. Taz, cover your ears right now. He's going to get jealous. Um, so first and, and most importantly, um, she doesn't have a name yet. Um, her name from the, the rescue organization was Sugar. And I don't think that's a totally inappropriate name, but it, it doesn't really resonate with us. So we're calling her about 15 different things right now. She has a vet appointment on Tuesday to go in for her booster shots. And my goal is that by the time um, I go to check her in at the front desk, we have a name for her. So by Tuesday. So basically, I'm soliciting ideas. Um, we like things that are kind of unusual. Um, my, my wife has posted some stuff on Facebook, posted some pictures, and we got a lot of suggestions there. Like, like lame suggestions. Uh, um, a lot of them recommended Bella, not knowing that yet yeah, we had a dog named Bella and we lost her last year. And <laughs> this, this dog is no Bella. Um, she is wonderful in her own way, but Bella was, was special. Bella was 18. You know, there's a lot of history in that name. So can't be Bella, can't be Taz. Um, but we're, uh, we're exploring all kinds of other things. Current, the current front runners. Um, I mean, the one that I really like more than anything else is Derby. I really, really like Derby. Um, the only problem is I want to, I want to shorten it to Derbs, which sounds like derp. Um, when, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. But Derby, I really like because the way that she plays, she acts like she's in a roller derby. Um, and plus, like, the, the possibilities for a photo shoot and a little bowler hat or something like that are just off the charts. Um, I mean, that would be ridiculous. So, um, little girl, little one, little wing, as my wife likes to call her, little wing. Um, so I thought about, hey, why not Jimmy, you know, for Hendrix, little wing. Eh. There's a lot of possibilities here. <laughs> Naming a dog is hard. We took a year to name our fucking band, okay? So the, the prospects here for Little Wing do not look good as far as having a name anytime in the, in the near future. But we're, we're working on it. We're thinking we will agonize it. We will probably develop a flow chart, put it up for popular vote, develop our own electoral college and see who wins. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, it's crazy. Anyway, she is such a good dog. Oh, my God. I mean, go go just... Do yourself a favor and go look at the videos that I have in my in my story highlights called New Arrival. Just do it. I, I'll, I'll wait right here. You got to go do that right now. Like pause this. Let it play in the background. Open up Instagram. Search for me if you're not already following me. D-A-R-I-N underscore S-T-A-R-R. Yes, that's me right there. The guy with the douchebag posing picture. Yep, that's me. Okay. Now go to profile. Click on New Arrival and just watch, watch, watch. It starts out with when she first got here, like the foster family has just brought her in. We've let her out of her cage and you can see how, um, Taz is responding to her for the first time. Uh, and then, you know, as the night goes on there, you know, she's kind of exploring. She's just really super fucking cute all the time. Uh, and so the, the way it's worked out here is, um, we got lucky. I mean, she's 10 weeks old. She's a puppy. She's already spayed, which is great. She's got her shot started. She needs two more appointments, and then she'll be all set there. Um, so she's spayed. She's microchipped. She's this, that. She's everything. She's, she's set. Little girl is set. Um, 
And the first night here, she slept through the night in her crate, in a brand new crate for her. She slept through the night. Surprising. She's done it every night since. Today marks one week that she's been here. She has slept through the night every single night. Um, I wake her up. I take her outside to go pee. She pees in five seconds. I take her out every two hours, and she pees outside every single time. Um, she has peed inside once when she found her way into the bathroom and she peed on the tile floor. Good girl. Thank you. Easy to clean up. Um, I mean, just, she's so good. She's so good. I don't trust her yet. Like when I get her out of the crate in the morning, I don't trust her to like, okay, let's come on, go walk to the front door. Cause I feel like, you know, she'd still probably pee on the way there. Cause she's like, I've been holding it all night. I got to piss. Um, so I pick her up and, and carry her out front. She pees immediately. Um, but she's just really good. Like every time we go outside, she does it. Um, she sleeps through the night, which is great. She's so good at entertaining herself. Like she will just chew on a bone for 20 minutes. Um, she will play with toys with herself for a half an hour, like just chewing on something, making it squeak, tossing it up in the air, catching it. She, um, her foster home had a kitten in it, and I think she learned a lot of behavior from that kitten because she pounces on toys, which, I mean, she, like, rears back on her back legs, and then she jumps and pounces on it, and I tell you haven't seen anything until you've seen that. I haven't been able to catch it on video yet, but it is priceless. Oh, my God. Um, and her and Taz, like, I was really worried about this. Not that he would, you know be mean, but that he might struggle because he's been an only dog now for about a year. Um, and he's really enjoyed the extra attention that he's gotten during that time. And he's become quite accustomed to it. He's a little spoiled. And we knew that there were probably going to be some jealousy issues once a new, new pup came into the house. And we were right. There were, and there were a couple of instances where he would nip at her to try and set boundaries. Cause also she's a puppy. She kind of annoying to him sometimes. Um, and there was one time where, you know, after everybody was done with breakfast, bowls were empty. She went over to his to sniff it and he did not like that. He took exception to it and nipped her. I didn't see it, but I heard it. I heard the after effect. Like I never heard him growl or anything, but I heard her yip, 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 and licking her wounds all the way across the room. It really scared her more than anything else, but it was so, so sad to hear. Um, she was fine within 10 seconds. She was just a little scared. Um, and then my wife experienced something like that, like on Saturday, I think like the, the first full day that she was here, there was something like that where, you know, she went, uh, the little puppy went over to her to get some attention and he took exception to that and, and nipped her there too. So, um, but since then, I think that was Sunday, Saturday and Monday when those two incidents happened. And since then there's been nothing. Um, and what they've really taken to now is he is much more tolerant. Um, like she still does her annoying puppy stuff where she like tries to jump on him when he's not really in the mood for it. And he just tolerates it. He like pushes her away and just walks away. Um, but now they're, they're playing more together. Um, and last night was the first time where they actually like engaged in tug of war together, um, with multiple toys. Um, and then they just, you know, when they're playing, they just rough house all over the, I mean, she's submissive. So she's on her back and all four of her legs are kicking and probably scratching the shit out of his face. Um, she's biting uh, teeth everywhere and he, he doesn't care. He loves it. He just pushes her around, you know, the, she, she runs away. He chases after her. He steps on her and, you know, she, she's resilient. She's a tough little thing. She rolls all over the place. She charges at him. He puts his head down. He pushes her away and, you know, gets his, his, his front down with his butt up in the air. I mean, he's loving it, loving it. They, they had four separate 
play occasions yesterday alone. So, um, and that started, there was like one on Sunday morning and then nothing on Monday and then like one on Tuesday night. And then we had a friend over for, um, uh, band practice on Wednesday and they played twice while she was here. Um, and then yesterday, four separate occasions throughout the day It's just like nonstop. And so he is loving it. He is less jealous already. He realizes like he's still getting all this attention. He still gets his walks in the morning by himself. Um, he still gets time where, you know, he is on the couch with us. She is in, in her exercise pen sleeping by herself. Um, just so that he knows like he's still in charge. He's still number one. And it's really hard because we really want to pull her over there too. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So, uh, it's been a lot easier than anticipated, but it's also been, um, totally worth it and a really, really good decision. We're, we're really happy with it. So, um, she's, she's the best. She just needs a fucking name. That's it. So, all right. Um, let's get, I've rambled on now forever. So let's listen to what you have to say. Who we got here first. Hello, this is Sean from New Mexico. I had a question. Um, do you often combine different body groups like chest and triceps or back and biceps or chest and shoulders when you're doing bodybuilding? And then secondly, I have a recipe to be for grilled chicken. Marinate your chicken in the Olive Garden brand Italian dressing overnight. Uh, for every two tablespoons, it has two grams of carbs and eight grams of sugar. Uh, put your grill on high, your outdoor grill on high. Cook the chicken on four minutes each side. Once you do that, take it off the grill, wrap it in tinfoil for five minutes. That lets the finish cooking on the inside and also keeps it nice and moist. Uh, so that way it's all dried out. Thank you. Awesome, Sean. Thank you and good stuff. Appreciate that. So um, l- let's talk about this uh, this recipe first of all because I-, I need a little clarification on this. So um, I just looked for uh, what uh, – well, maybe I didn't find the right thing here. Olive Garden brand Italian dressing. Okay, that's what I found here. This is I, I just Googled it and got this at Walmart. Uh, just found it on Walmart's website. So um, the problem with this is um, this nutrition label is incomplete and possibly inaccurate. Um, so, you know, the, the label is weird. I need to find another source because, you know, where it says total fat, it doesn't give you a number. But it says under that, oh, saturated fat, 1.5 grams, trans fat, zero. Okay. Total carbohydrates doesn't give you a number. Zero grams fiber, two grams sugar. Okay. Protein says zero grams. All right. Well, I'm not going to make the inference that it's one and a half grams total fat and two grams total carbs because in the description it says 80 calories per serving and that doesn't add up. So um, there's something weird going on there. So let me see what else. Um, like, okay, here's the exact same product at Target. Do we get any better information here? Let's see what Target has to say about this. And is this the actual label here as opposed to a write-up of the label? Yeah, there it is. Okay. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this is more like it. 80, 80 calories per serving. Total grams of fat. Eight, eight grams of fat. So that is not insignificant. And that's for two tablespoons. So um, I, I'm, I'm hesitant for that. Um, just because, because I'm lazy at math, basically, um, you marinate in that. And then there's a question of like, okay, how much of that stays on? Here's the, here's the problem with, with using stuff like this. And Sean, you know, certainly uh, I, I am 
Well, I guess I am kind of criticizing. Feedback, I guess, more than anything else. Or my opinion on this. That, that's what I'm offering here is my opinion. Um, I wouldn't use something like this just because I'm really fucking OCD and kind of crazy. And so I'm like, okay, well, we're marinating in this, which means like, you know, am I brushing it on? Am I putting it in a bag and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so here's how much I marinate, but then how much of that's left over in the bag or how much of that goes into the bottom of the pan if I'm just brushing it on or whatever. It's like, it's impossible to calculate. It's almost unknowable. Um, and so for me, if this is a recipe that I was going to use all the time, here, here is, here is what I'm thinking here. Like, I don't doubt that this is probably good and I would do this periodically for sure. But as far as an everyday recipe, it's not precise enough for me to trust in its precision. Um, because there could be a lot of variability in how accurate these macros are. Like, and, and it's also like, how do you marinate it? You know, what, what's your process like for that? Um, is it a brush on thing? Is it, you know, let it sit in the pan so it soaks it up? Is it putting it in a bag? Whatever. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I guess, yeah, I like, a, I like a higher degree of precision. I like fewer uncertainties. It's the same thing as like cooking with oil. Uh, you know, everybody asks me like, hey, can I cook with oil? It's the exact same thing. Can I cook veggies in oil? Well, you can, but you're introducing macro imprecision there. And if you're doing it every day for a couple times a day and multiply that over weeks and months and years, you're, you're going to have a, a wild degree of um, imprecision in your numbers. And so, you know, uh, that's the kind of thing where I always tell people don't sweat the small stuff, but that's small stuff that gets multiplied many, many times over and over again and can actually make a difference. So, um, yeah, but that being said, so I wouldn't use this as an everyday recipe, but it does look good as hell. Like I'm looking at this bottle of dressing right now and my mouth is kind of watering right now. So, um, I'm kind of down with that for sure. As to your other question, which is a good one about combining body parts, combining muscle groups. Um, sometimes it kind of depends on what they are. Um, I know that it, there is like this, uh, traditional four day bro split. Chest and triceps, back and biceps, shoulders, legs. Um, to which I say, eh, eh, eh. I've probably in my life done, I don't know, 15 or 20 workouts that were chest and triceps together in the same day. Same thing with back and biceps, 15 or 20. And that, I'm talking over like 20 years. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of the, those are common ones. Um, th those are I'm just not a big fan of of it. Um, I'm not a big fan of combining muscle groups on most days, um, just because it does divide attention. Um, unless it's something that's already a strength. Like currently, I'm doing chest and shoulders on the same day. That's well. Those are synergistic. They work together. You're you're basically doing a lot of the same movements, just in different axes. You know, like a vertical press, a horizontal press, one for shoulders, one for chest. Um, you know, a lateral raise is basically like a fly for your shoulders. You know, same same kind of thing. Um, so, and for me, those two body parts are both strengths. So I can combine them on a day, do a little bit less volume for each one. That's okay. So if you've got body parts that are strengths. That's really when I advocate combining things or something like arms because you don't need a full day just for biceps. You don't need a full day just for triceps unless one of those muscle groups just absolutely sucks and is non-existent for you, in which case you might benefit from that a lot. Um, but typically, no. I mean, so putting arms together on, on their day, that's that's a logical combination. Um, I've, I've seen people, because I, I talk with people all the time who are interested in coaching, and I always want to get details about what they're doing, and so they'll write up and be like, well, here's my diet, here's the workouts that I've been following right now, and they'll be like, I do chest, and then I do shoulders, and then I do arms, and then I do back and legs together. I'm like, whoa, okay. 
there, there are only a handful of things where I'd say that's a really bad idea. Doing back and legs on the same day, that's a really bad idea because what you're basically saying there is both of these workouts are really hard. I want to have the opportunity to get them both out of the way on the same day and half-ass both of them at the same time because um, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Now, generally speaking, I'm not a big fan of combining muscle groups. I would rather give stuff time. And another reason is um, a lot of people are looking to combine muscle groups so they can get into the gym fewer times per week. And I understand logistically how that can be appealing for some people, but I'm also always going to urge people like, you know, if your goals are ambitious, training needs to be a part of your life. And I should be having to talk you out of going to the gym so much and not trying to get you to go more. I, I, that, that would be a better approach in, in my book. So, you know, like if I've got to force you to take a day off, that's a better sign versus saying, hey, can we get in more than three times this week? You know, that, that one of those uh, kind of indicates to me like, OK, yeah, we'll, we'll be successful if I can get this person to chill out a little bit because they're not recovering enough, as opposed to oftentimes you know, if somebody is only lifting like three days a week, um, there's a lot of potential reasons why that might be the case. The ones that concern me are the people that just like, they're, they're looking for reasons not to, um, they, they don't want to go lift, et cetera. They don't really enjoy it. I'm like, that's a problem. If you don't enjoy lifting, it isn't going to work. <laughs> you, you, you have to. And if you don't, you can learn to enjoy it, but you're going to have to work on that. Definitely. So, um, yeah, generally speaking, not a huge fan of that, but not totally opposed under the right circumstances. Again, if you want to combine body parts that are a strength, like, you know, let's say your, um, your back and your legs are really weak. Um, but everything else is, is pretty balanced, maybe not overpowering, but pretty balanced. Okay. So it might make sense then to, to figure out a way to do back and shoulders and not back and back and legs each twice a week. Um, so that's four days right there. So maybe you have one day that's chest, shoulders, and arms. It's going to be a little bit of a blast. It's probably going to be a long day, but then you get two days off during the week as well. Um, so that would be a, a good, a good reason. If you, and <laughs> why, why am I thinking that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because that's me. Um, back and shoulders are weak. So if I could train back twice a week and legs twice a week and put everything else onto one day and then rest two days, that's a pretty good combination in my book for me. Um, now that one day of chest, shoulders, and arms, that's four muscle groups in one day. That's a lot of stuff to cover. It's going to be a fairly long workout, even if you keep the volume pretty moderate for each muscle group. Nothing's going to feel like it got thoroughly exhausted. But the idea is, hey, we're just looking to stimulate it here. We don't need to annihilate everything. Just stimulate the muscle, keep it around. Um, while we focus on, on other stuff, I wouldn't do it long term, but for a little bit here and there, yeah, we might be able to get away with that. So, uh, good question, Sean, though. I appreciate that. Uh, what else do we have here? Hi, Darren. It's Paula from Missouri with my chicken recipe. So, what I like to do is um, buy chicken breast or chicken tenders, cut it up um, about 15 ounces, and then um, I add one and a half tablespoon of um, Canor, it's K-N-O-R-R, chicken um, bouillon to it. It's a powder and half tablespoon of olive oil. Mix it up. Um, get a um, wok or a fine frying pan and then put it on medium-high heat and then um, a little pan and um, cook it for about, you know, six minutes or so. It's going to start to get a little crispy on the outside, and that's when you know it's going to be really yummy. You don't want to overcook it because it's going to be dry. But I think about six minutes, six and a half minutes is perfect. And um, it is definitely approved by my kids. They love it all the time. They call it Mommy's Favorite Chicken Strips. 
and I challenge you to make it this week and let me know what you think. Um, you all have a good day. Bye. Awesome, Paula. Thank you. So um, th- this is where Sean's going to be like, hey, how, how come he's okay with that, but not mine? Um, and I, I like this because um, th- this is much lower impact. So we're adding some of this chicken bouillon, which uh, I, I like, and I'm looking it up here, and um, it's a little ambiguous here. I mean, it's high in sodium. It is very minimal calorically. Um, I'm trying to get a more of a precise figure here on this. The, the exact product, because they have powder, but they also have cubes, and I'm trying to find the right thing here. So I think it's this granulated chicken bouillon. This is probably it. Um, so if I can get this to come up, there we go. Um, and there we go. Yeah. Okay. So a teaspoon is 10 calories. Okay. So we're going to use a little bit more than that. I think you said about a tablespoon, which would be three teaspoons. And what that does is, so you're imparting about 30 calories worth of stuff. Okay, great. Well, you also said about 15 ounces. So, um, well, hold on. Let's add that then to the, um, what, half a tablespoon of olive oil, I think you said, which is 60 calories. So we're adding now um, 90 calories worth of stuff to about 15 ounces. So if you cut that up into like three five-ounce portions, then uh, you're looking at, uh, you know, like adding 30 calories per serving. Okay. That's that's reasonable. If it were me, I would probably try and reduce that a little bit. I would probably, try, I, would, I always do more than fifteen ounces at a time. First of all, I I do more like you know, I don't know, thirty two. I mean, traditionally I've done forty eight ounces at a time, three pounds. Um, so I would take probably a similar amount of that stuff and try to stretch it out over a larger serving. So then at that point you're really diluting the caloric impact. Yeah, you're not imparting as much flavor, but you're really like. I don't need something to be super tasty. That's the thing also. Like, I need it to be decent. If it's good, that's good enough for me. I can take that. Um, I don't need to be like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. If it is, great. Um, but it's really difficult to get something like that that also has, you know, basically a negligible caloric impact. So, um, Paul, I take no issues with anything here. Uh, I think it's good. Um I would probably try and stretch those added things over a slightly larger portion when cooking it up. And also, I would I would batch it up. I'm wondering if this might work really well in the air fryer also. Um, just a, a thought on that. So, I might try that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sound, sounds good. And then uh, Paula did also include a photo here, um, which uh, which looks really good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It looks pretty damn tasty. So, um I, I like that. I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, here's the question, though. Is that going to make me try it? And the answer to that is um, probably not because um, I got all my meals prepped for the weekend already uh, and into and up through Tuesday. So what I might do is pick up some chicken, and when I do my next meal prep order through my meal prep company, I might leave a meal or two out and do some of this and see how it looks because this meal – and this chicken in the photo here looks really tasty. It does. The cutting it up part, it seems a little uh, annoying for me, but also if I'm not doing this for many pounds of frozen stuff at a time, it's going to be a little bit more agreeable. I've done that before. I had to like cut up frozen stuff. That's how you go through knives pretty quickly. Um, this looks really good, though, really good. So I'll post a photo of this on Instagram also and uh, send it along with the uh, the post for this episode too. So great stuff. Great stuff. I tell you what though, guys, you know what, what's going on right now? I'm starving. Like as my dad used to say, my big guts are eating my little guts. Oh my God, I got to get some food. So, um, I've said about all I need to say. Um, I think we're good here. Um, we'll be back for another one next week. Um, but other than that, like, uh, yeah, I think we're, uh, 
we're pretty well set here. So I appreciate everyone for uh, listening in, following along as usual, tolerating me going on and on about the new puppy for what was probably like an hour and a half, something like that. But, you know, it's the important stuff, right? Angela, by the way, um, you, you had mentioned before uh, in a comment on Facebook that we need a lawn update as well as a puppy update. Those are the things that truly matter here. Um, well, the lawn update is this. It's dead. So, um, well, it's not dead. It's still got some green to it, but you know, it ain't growing. That's for sure. What I'm waiting to do is I'm waiting for the, the temperature to warm up just a little bit. And as soon as we get done with the freezing, then it's, it's reseed time and keeping the dogs out of the backyard and get off my lawn, freaking out territory again. So, um, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so there's the lawn update. So just, the front, you know, front lawn looks like shit. Backyard has, has maintained some green a little bit at least. So there's that. Uh, that's all I got. So um, I appreciate you all listening. Once again, call in number 865-518-2974. Happy to hear from you on any topic. Follow me online. Go to thedropset.com, fivestarphysique.com. Follow me on Instagram at Darren underscore star. Check out the story highlights, new arrival, to see all the puppy goodness in there.